You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Listen, the disfellowshipping, just not misunderstand that. The disfellowshipping is for the purpose of handing them over to Satan so that the sinful nature might be destroyed and the spirit saved. In other words, it's the ultimate woodshed, God's ultimate woodshed. When you have to come to a point where you disfellowship with someone, then God's going to use Satan to spank them really hard, really hard, with the purpose, the intention that they would repent. Disfellowshipping. While many of us might see it as a rather harsh or extreme punishment, it's no less a biblical statute that we're to practice as believers when necessary. Just as we're to confront fellow believers for their sin, if they refuse to repent, we're to break fellowship as a final effort. In today's message, Pastor Danny touches on this rather sensitive practice while teaching you its purpose. In his study, you'll learn that while this practice may seem harsh, it's actually one of love and concern. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Galatians chapter 2 with today's edition of The Living Word. Paul says, I confronted Peter publicly because he was in the wrong. And he said, you know that we circumcised Jews are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, just like the uncircumcised Gentiles. We're both saved by grace through faith. You add anything else to it, you perverted the gospel. Don't tell, you, you find somebody saying, no, you got to be baptized or you're not saved. That's not what the Bible says. You ought to be baptized. I can't understand why a Christian wouldn't want to be baptized, but you're saved before you got baptized. That's why you're getting baptized. You add anything else to grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You perverted the gospel. Paul was so serious about this that when he writes in Galatians, he says, if me or an angel from heaven preaches to you any other gospel than the one I delivered to you, let him be accursed. He goes on to say the people that are preaching that you got to be circumcised, they, they go ahead and emasculate themselves. I mean, that's pretty serious. We don't want to talk about that. Let's, oh, my goodness. I mean, that's how serious it was. There's way too much of this in the church, folks. You know somebody that's involved with somebody who's not biblically their wife, biblically their wife or husband, biblically their spouse? God help our country. I hope you're praying for our nation because we're headed down the path. We're headed down the path of destruction. If it weren't for the church, I think God might have already judged America. But don't get me off on that. And Graham Lodge says if God doesn't ultimately judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. But there's way too much of this in the church. And it goes beyond just the act. You know somebody that's caught up in pornography? You know somebody that's filled with lust? If you really love them, if you really love them, you confront them. Compassion, love, humility, not self-righteous. Obviously lying. And I put a slash idolatry uh, or uh, dishonesty. You know, a Christian, professing Christian, they cheat on their taxes. That's sin. I don't want to pay, I don't want to pay taxes any more than you do, especially giving it to a government that wastes so much of our money. And yet Romans 13 is in my Bible. Romans 13 is right there. And it specifically says not only submit to the authorities because they're ordained by God, but it specifically says if you owe taxes, pay taxes. 
idolatry. Now, this one, we've got to be careful. Because in the Old Testament, it was a lot easier to identify idolatry. You see somebody with an Asherah pole. You see somebody with an idol of Molech. You know, that's pretty clear. What's idolatry, though? Idolatry, and it has to be clear, listen, is someone that's allowed some person or something to take the place of God, to to take priority over the Lord. You can go back to the second one, and sometimes, you know, you get in a romantic relationship. I've seen it happen. It's so sad. And all of a sudden, a person becomes more important to God. A relationship, a human relationship becomes more important than God. That's idolatry. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God's saying that for our own good. Because he knows that if we make anything else the priority, we're, we've wandered. We've gone our own way. We're headed for trouble. Drunkenness. Do I really need to say anything else about this one? I'm not talking about freedom. You know, look, the Bible does not condemn someone for just having a drink. That's not, that's not permission for you to drink. I didn't say that. You have a problem with it, then you need to stay away from it. But you can't automatically, you shouldn't biblically automatically condemn somebody because you saw them in a restaurant and they had a glass of wine or a beer. I'll leave it at that. I'm going to get some emails on that one, I'm sure. (laughs) This is a tough one. But let me tell you what biblical gluttony is. Let me give you a definition. Overindulgence and overconsumption of food, drink, or wealth items to the point of extravagance or waste. A lot of times, uh, well, Proverbs 23, let me just read it very quickly and we'll put the landing gear down in just a minute. And when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. You go down verse 20, don't join with those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Here's one more. In submission to authority. And again, it's clear, obvious, in submission to authority. Obvious rebellion needs to be confronted lovingly. Now, what do you do? And let me go back to the drunkenness real quick and just say something I think is practical uh, for our culture. You know somebody addicted to prescription drugs? You really ought to, you really ought to lovingly talk to them. And it's so easy to happen. I just talked to a, a former pastor uh, who, because of a couple of surgeries that didn't go well, he became addicted to prescription drugs. We got a lot of legal drug addicts, unfortunately, in our culture, and some of them are in the church. Now, I'm not against prescription drugs. Don't misquote me. I didn't say that. I'm not against doctors. Neither is the Bible. Uh, but we live in a culture and a society that, that doctors, generally speaking, are just quick to just go ahead and write you a prescription and get you popping the pills. And some of these can so easily become addictive. And we have legal drug addicts in our society. And we need to lovingly, if you know someone is like that, lovingly confront them on it. Now, in submission to authority and rebellion, obviously it's clear that they are. Now, what do I do if the person that I confront will not repent? And we're talking again about professing Christians. And don't misunderstand either. I'm not saying we disfellowship someone if you went through the whole pattern for because they're addicted to prescription drugs. I'm not saying that, but listen to Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you 
Go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. That doesn't mean you come to church and say, hey, I confronted John and he wouldn't listen. That means you come to the leadership of the church. And you say, we've confronted, I've confronted so-and-so, I've gone back with this person and this person, and we've had a second meeting, and they still refuse to listen, so I'm turning it over to you guys. And then we as a church leadership would be called then to deal with it, and we'd sit down with them. And depending on the sin, depending on the sin, there are times where if they do not listen, we would disfellowship them. We disfellowship people here. We just don't, unless it's necessary, we don't do it publicly. We just disfellowshiped a fellow about a month or so ago. We had disfellowshiped him a few years ago for sin that he needed to be disfellowshiped for because he would not repent of it. It was repeated. And then he gave signs of repentance. We set a path of restoration. He looked like he was doing well. And then God brought to light that the whole time he's privately committing the same sin. And uh, we just disfellowshipped him recently. And listen, the disfellowshipping, just not misunderstand that. The disfellowshipping is for the purpose of handing them over to Satan so that the sinful nature might be destroyed and the spirit saved. In other words, it's the ultimate woodshed, God's ultimate woodshed. When you have to come to a point where you disfellowship with someone, then God's going to use Satan to spank them really hard, really hard, with the purpose, the intention that they would repent. Are you with me? So don't misunderstand that. So Matthew 18 and then uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Boy, this is so clear. Everybody listen up on this. And if you're turning to it, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, in that case, you'd have to leave this world. You understand that, right? But now I'm writing writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. And again, that's not an exhaustive list, but the idea is If they are committing sin, they've wandered from the truth, they're going their own way, and they won't listen, don't associate with them. With such a man, do not even eat. Do not even eat. Because eating suggests fellowship. A meal suggests fellowship. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of James. Each time you open the word, there's potential to learn. The New Testament letter from James is no exception. In its pages, you'll continue to find advice and practical application for living as a follower of Jesus. James emphasizes that faith is more than just words. It needs to be backed up by action. You live your faith out every day in how you interact with your family, friends, and co-workers, and what you spend your time doing. We hope that today you've been encouraged by the words of this book and that you've been inspired to show your faith to the world around you. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Pastor Danny Hodges right now, you can do so by visiting our website ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons. 
you'll be directed to our YouTube page where you can watch a number of Calvary Chapel Fellowship services and subscribe to our channel. Come connect with us on social media as well. You'll find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join in the conversations there. Feel free to connect with us too, and we'll add some encouragement to your newsfeed. You'll be able to find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us, and we hope that you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.